Welcome to The World in 10, your daily roundup of the world's biggest stories told by the Times correspondents who wrote them. I'm Laura Cook. And I'm Rebecca Myers. Today, we take a look at leadership in Serbia, Al Capone meets Vito Corleone, and also London says au revoir to Le Gavroche, while residents of a beautiful Swiss village try to say au revoir to tourists. We start today taking a look at the president of Serbia, Alexander Vucic. A question asked by Tom Kington in today's Times, is he the Capone of the Balkans or the only hope for a Kosovo peace deal? Yes, the nation's leader has been accused by critics of killing off Serbian democracy. Some of the harshest comments have actually come from those who've known him the longest. And Tom starts by giving us a comparison with another world leader. Joseph Tito the legendary leader of Yugoslavia, built his career on being a communist, but not doing what the Soviet Union told him. And you could argue that Alexander Vucic, the current president of Serbia, is following this example of never really doing what big powers would like of him. One MP with the opposition Democratic Party describes Vucic in this article as Al Capone meets Vito Corleone, only interested in unlimited uncontrolled power, but also the only hope for stability in the Balkans. Now, this article sheds light on someone you may not know a lot about. And the question is asked, would you buy a Balkans peace deal from this man? So what does Vucic stand for? Well, Tom explains a little more. He's currently exasperating the US and the EU by almost signing a deal to normalise relations with his neighbour and former province, Kosovo, only to wriggle out while refusing to sanction Russia and by welcoming levels of Chinese investment that many consider toxic. But the EU and the US continue to see him as the only player in town who has the weight with Serbian voters to sell them a Kosovo deal to defuse the tension in the region that they fear will be exploited by Russia. The question is, however, does Vucic know that? And is he emboldened, therefore, to cuddle up even closer to Putin? which is the exact opposite of what the EU and the US are trying to achieve. And there are descriptions in Tom's article of how Vucic's ruling Serbian Progressive Party holds on to power by threatening staff at state companies with the sack unless they vote for it. There are also accusations of recruiting violent football hooligans to beat up opponents. Those are all claims that Vucic denies. It's a really interesting read and leaves you wondering where this will end. And Tom points out that the question for Western diplomats is whether Vucic will continue to throw his weight around in the Balkans or whether a deal can really be signed on Kosovo. to wait now before the World Cup final where England's Lionesses take on Spain with the aim of lifting the silverware. We are very excited. Safe to say, yeah, we're all nervous, excited. Rebecca, any other emotions you can think of? I think just general emotionalness. I'm really very emotional. (laughs) Very nervous, very emotional. Well, let's take a moment to look at a guiding force behind this English team. She's a winner. She sets the standard so high every day in training and she leads with real class. That's the thoughts there of England forward Alessia Russo talking about her manager, Serena Wiegmann. Now, a question raised before and one that will be raised again, how much value is placed on the women's game? And there's a really interesting read in today's Times by Phil Neville, Serena Wiegmann's predecessor, uh, coach in both the men and the women's games. Um, And he gives an insight into this issue. 
Well, Neville says Wiegmann is on par with Pep Guardiola and deserves a salary to match. She's taken this team to another level. Well, we caught up with our chief sports correspondent, Matt Lawton, who's watching the athletics in Budapest, hence the background noise in this clip. He explained how they approached Phil to write about his first-hand views on the team, but Phil explained that this aspect of the leadership was far more important to highlight. She possesses the same ability to make significant, effective tactical changes during matches and has a system that is flexible and can respond to the challenges that any one game can present. His view is that you get rewarded because, because of your skill and your ability, not because of your gender or the gender of the players you, you work with. And it's inevitable that this level of success will attract job offers, of course. But rumours from the US that Wiegmann is top of the list of names to take the top job in America were met with a fairly clear response. She said she has a contract until 2025. I'm really enjoying my job and I have the impression that people still like me doing that job. I have no plans to leave, which I'm pretty pleased about. I Perfect. <laughs> that feeling when you find something brilliant a great new restaurant or a bar or an amazing place to go on holiday and you think I really hope everyone else doesn't find out about it I really do get that feeling and yeah. I feel sort of almost guilty about it but you find something amazing and, and you hope it doesn't become a hit because you don't you know you don't want all the crowds there you want to enjoy it without other people well there's absolutely no need to feel guilty about that Rebecca because you're not the only one residents of the Swiss village of Lauterbrunnen know your pain they live in this beautiful village by the Eiger mountain that's featured in James Bond on Her Majesty's Secret Service and it was said to be the inspiration for Rivendell in Lord of the Rings. Yes, and the year-round population is just 800 people. But this year, accommodation is fully booked and the number of overnight stays is expected to reach 300,000. Ouch. Which is a record. Plus, some days, they have 8,000 day-trippers alone each day visiting as well. Well, the mayor has said that they're tired. They've had enough. And the tourists, he said, aren't very good at driving for a start. Plus, the locals have reported tourists having picnics in farmers' fields, going swimming in dangerous mountain rivers and littering the beautiful surroundings. So the local council is investigating applying for protected status to Quite right. reduce the numbers coming in. But in the meantime, they're having to deal with it by just handing out leaflets with do's and don'ts. Quite a lot of don'ts, I think. <laughs> Today, The Times has an exclusive interview on the website, which has rocked the world of fine dining. Le Gavroche, one of London's most famous restaurants, is closing down. Michelle Roux, who's run the two-star Michelin restaurant for 34 years after his father and uncle founded it in the 60s, has said he's closing it next year, partly because of the sheer pressure and the incredible amount of work it takes to run a restaurant. And Laura, I feel like you might know a little bit about this yourself because as well as being a fantastic journalist, you actually run a pub, don't you? Yes, I can't boast any Michelin stars, not even Yet. one, not even two. <laughs> Yet. Yet. But he's quite right. Running that for 34 years, it's a 24-7 job and he's quite right to actually want some life back, which I think is the reason that he's given for it. He wants a quality of life back and he's quite right. The Times food editor, Tony Turnbull, writes today, Rue is famous in the industry of being really hardworking. He runs marathons as well. I don't know where he finds wow. the time to even train for that. 
and he's earned the right to take that step back. Absolutely, and he's not the only chef doing this. We've seen this a bit more recently. Um, Tony writes that Heston Blumenthal actually now manages the Fat Duck at a bit of an arm's length. He moved to France a few years ago after actually having a breakdown. And the owner of Noma also announced this year that that would close, blaming unsustainable economics. One unexpected side product of TikTok has been BookTok, which has been where basically book fans share their favourite novels and talk about books and generally get very nerdy and excited, which I think is very wholesome and lovely. Um, And it's actually also prompted a sort of knock-on effect with a boom in romance fiction and romantic titles. They are flying off the shelves. Self-published authors are getting, you know, new time in the spotlight because of of young people on TikTok sort of shouting their praises. Um, And this is, I think, really, really interesting. I mean, Laura, do you read romance novels yourself? I, I do like it when it's on the beach and you're lying there and you're you're feeling like, actually, yeah, I, I want to feel a little bit of romance. I want to feel wooed. And yes, I think there's That's a time, so- there's definitely a time and a place. Well, two sisters in New York are now capitalising on this trend in a more traditional way. They've opened up a bookshop exclusively for romance novels. They have. It's called The Ripped Bodice, Ooh. which I absolutely love. <laughs> and it's in Brooklyn and it has been fully pardon the pun embraced by all (laughs) types of people tourists locals and the sisters are saying that the popularity of their bookshop even among brooklyn hipsters is showing how much of a change there's been in how people view romantic fiction and i really feel like i've seen this too and a lot more interest in female authors and and sort of giving them the the attention they deserve and the love they deserve and i think long may all of this continue that's all we've got time for today And don't forget, if you enjoyed the journalism you heard on this podcast, you can take out a subscription at thetimes.co.uk. 